Third Degree, the podcast is brought to you by Soccer 90. The World Cup is right around the corner. Are you excited or not? And Soccer 90 is your primary source for US national team jerseys, tees, scarves, and so much more. Shop the entire FIFA World Cup collection, now featuring over 15 nations. 15 nations! Can you even name 15 nations? Oh, wait. Forget it, I don't have time. Remember, as listeners to this podcast, you get 20% off your purchase when you use code THIRDDEGREE at checkout at Soccer90.com. Some exclusions may apply. Hello, FC Dallas Curious fan. I am Buzz Carrick. I am not Peter Welton. Peter is under the weather today. So it's just me and Dan. Hi, Dan. Hey, uh... This is this is new. This is weird. This it, is uh, uncharted territory for uh, a few months. It is, uh, and everybody, welcome to Third Degree the podcast. We will warn you in advance that with the World Cup around the corner, we may be doing this, Dan and I, more by ourselves because Peter will be overwhelmed with his everyday World Cupness. But hopefully, we'll hear him between now and then. If not, Dan and I will muddle through till Christmas, doing our best to uphold the podcasting standards of Peter Walton. So we'll see you in February, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Peter will be back in February. Hopefully back before February. Otherwise, you and I will have a long winter of trying to do this by ourselves. Um, today is the podcast number two of the off season. I had thought that we were going to have roster moves to discuss. Um, that does not appear to be the case. So as we teased last week, today we're going to do our awards for the season, which Peter doesn't get to participate in. Uh, and then we'll, then we'll do some uh, sort of predictive discussions about what we think is going to happen with the roster uh, for FC Dallas with players that are on options since they have not done anything yet. Um, I did an article about it on the website, but I would like to hear Dan's opinion. So we're going to hash through those guys on the back end of the podcast but first, Dan, let's start with um, awards for 2022, and we'll start with the big one. Let's start with MVP. Who do you got for MVP? I mean, it has to be the Jesus, right? I mean, pretty much, doesn't it? I, I will throw in a nod here to Paul Ariola because of his uh, locker room impact, particularly in the first half of the season, was massive, and he did put up career numbers for himself, but... Like you, uh, I think it has to be Jesus Ferreira. So uh, why don't you make the case for Jesus, why he's the guy? Uh, You you equal the club record for goals. Uh, That should be be it, really. Um, Just a phenomenal season, uh, a transitional season going from having the impact of Pepe to, you know, we all wondered in preseason what would happen. Uh, Peter predicted Hedero Brian would be top scorer. (laughs) yeah, we didn't think that, that Dallas, especially in year one of a build, was going to be particularly dangerous up front. But um, especially, you know, even coming into the season after the, the sign-ins of Ariola and Velasco to say, okay, so you've got Jesus and, and two new guys. This this could be kind of brutal. And finished third in the West, uh, won a home playoff, got to the conference semifinals, uh, really... Should have done a little bit better in that in that conference semi final and would have had a, a you know a sporting chance at uh, MLS Cup. You could even say, I mean, 
that'll, you know, you can put a value on it. Teams start from defence, everything else, but, you know, goals win games. And uh, FC Dallas won a lot of games, particularly when you compare it to last year. Yeah, I, I think I had predicted that Jesus would be the top scorer, but I said it would be more like on a nine because I, uh, level, nine goals, because I anticipated, A, he's playing slightly out of position, B, you have guys like uh, Ariola and Alan Blasco coming in, and I thought there would be a little bit of a more balanced approach. Well, that was true. That that happened. Jesus just finished at a rate that was phenomenal. All year we talked about the quality of the FC Dallas efficiency in their goals to shots on goal ratio and total shots ratio. It was a team that a thing that permeated the entire team, and Jesus was the biggest uh, leader in that quality. If you like the FG stat, which I don't, but it shows that he outachieved that aspect. And certainly I think he outachieved my expectations. So full credit to him to effectively doubling what I thought he would do and having one of the great seasons in club history. And you can't, in the end, I know goals are, are, are cool and goals attract the attention. And you can talk about the value of all these other guys, but the, what Jesus did all the year, there were times where he was carrying this team when other guys weren't producing all year long. Uh, and for me, again, yes, by far the MVP. And, you know, we were talking about, oh, Jesus can't nine. Jesus is a, is a tweener. And while he doesn't fit the mold of a traditional high nine, uh, he very much is that kind of in between that nine and a half, whatever you want to call it. Just just having, having that kind of finishing, um, you know, just really made up for that uh you know it's it's crazy when you see some of the u.s national team fans talking about it because the the proof's kind of been in the pudding right he finishes his chances whether it's against an mls team against granada against whoever uh chances a chance if you you give him a ball in and around the box you he's got a, a better shot of finishing it than than most in the uh in the national team pool yeah, and that's why he'll be in the World Cup team, um, I'm almost certain. <laughs> I can't imagine he won't make it. All right, let's move on to Young Player of the Year. Uh, and I, I don't think this one's up for much debate either. Um, I mean, you can put Jesus in this slot, but I'm going to go with Alan Velasco, um, a player that, we came, that came in at a high number with a lot of expectations and immediately proved that he had something he could bring to the table. Did not start with the usual sort of six-month uh, get used to the league, or maybe he did. And maybe as the, this improvement we saw over the year was just a certain part of that effect, because it certainly wasn't bad at the beginning of this season, but he did get better as the year went on. Uh, and it makes me really excited, Dan, for the future with this young kid who I guess now he's around 20. Uh, you're looking at a year or two when most of these larger foreign signings really break out. You can look at almost any guy in the league that has become, you know, a DP level MVP type conversational guy, they almost always accelerate massively in their second season. So we have that to look forward to next year. Yeah, especially when you look at, you know, uh, guys like Mara Diaz, Fabian Castillo, Michael Barrios, guys that kind of, you know, took a year plus and it, it was a very slow burn. It was, they were a passenger in the team for quite a while, whereas Velasco, was he the best player on the team? No. But was he a solid contributor in attack? Absolutely. And then since he's kind of figured out the league as he's gone, he's added a phenomenal defensive side to his game. He has uh, just just really uh, grown and grown into the team. 
Yeah, that's an excellent point you made. As as much as he improved offensively, really, I agree the re- most remarkable progress happened defensively when he realized this is a league that he needed to play defense. And he learned where to be in the shape and learn how to get back and do the right work um, and not kill himself and overwork himself getting back to uh, uh, to, to see a two-way player coming out of a guy like that is just, uh, I mean, it says something about the young man's work rate to me that he's willing to do that kind of work. Yeah, I think that's... That, that, they say work rate is a very important thing. Your willingness to 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 put that work in. Uh, Mauro Diaz, um, he quite early on, you know, showed showed a pretty decent defensive streak, uh, chasing balls back, making some really nice uh, late tackles in the box. But then, as time progressed, he kind of just went, "No, I'm I'm going to just attack. There's other guys that can do this." Um, that that's what you really want to see uh you know you want to see Velasco not fall into that i think mentally he comes across as a much stronger player than um that than uh, Diaz so i don't have any fears of of that happening he seems very much bought into the team culture and everything else along it so this this could be that south american signing that was was promised many, many years ago and just took a bunch of attempts to finally get right. It'll be interesting to me going forward to see if, given the kids what seems to me clear desire to play more centrally, the way he adapts, if the coach will try and find a shape where he does play more centrally or whether they will continue to keep him out there on the wing. Yes, uh, I think really, I think we kind of talked a little bit in the Discord um, about shape and what players could potentially be sacrificed to make something happen. And it's it's going to be very interesting to see the changes to year two. Uh, obviously, you know, Lucci's year two is let's try the same things, try to, you know, try uh, testing out the same concepts as in preseason that didn't maybe make it into the whole season, like the high press. Um but just go again and try and do it all better. It'd be interesting to see if with Nico, there's more of an evolution rather than, okay, just the standard four, three, three, um, you know, whether you want to kind of add anything to it or, or modify anything to work around the league a little better. And, uh, I know you'd, you'd highlighted, uh, Paul Ariola as the, as the possible casualty of that, but it'd be interesting to see if there's the opposite effect with Velasco, like you say, pulling him more into the middle, trying to figure out Paxton as more of a, a true eight and and build everything else around that. Yeah, I, I think with the continued emphasis, uh, even lately we've heard um, Zanata mention again this process idea. It'll be interesting to see if there's an evolution in the tactics or not. It's a question for a different podcast perhaps, but um, one that we should keep our eye on for sure. Um, all right, next award is Defender of the Year, speaking of Allen's defense. So Dan, you'll we'll let you go first on who you have Defender for the Year. Okay, I'm going to go with Jose Antonio Marco Farfan, clearly. <laughs> Antonio Marco Farfan. <laughs> so Marco Farfan is who you Yes, playing. and yeah. <laughs> I'm blown away by the team awarding Jose yeah. Martinez the award. Yeah, I will say that um, uh, Jose Martinez is the coach's probably favorite defender just from talking to him. But um, Okay, so wh- why Marco Farfan for you? Uh, I think... Another one coming into the season, there was a lot of uh, a lot of doubt. Uh, 
replacing a player with as big an impact just in general in the locker room on the field as Ryan Hollings had. Uh, knowing that his attacking output wasn't what Ryan Hollings had was, knowing that he's more of a defense-first fullback, maybe in a in a system that at least to that point, uh, you know, before Nico came in, was all about attacking fullbacks, all about getting forward. Um, also, you know, he'd, he'd had kind of an iffy year in in LA uh, after the trade from Portland I think he just came in he's really from day one looked absolutely fantastic has been such a huge part in in the roster and I, I think you know having his pace next to Jose has made Jose look an awful lot better um just from having someone who can recover a situation. He does get inside a lot. He does get kind of close towards the six-yard box at times. Um, and, and really, I think, almost to the detriment of Emma Tumasi, we talk a lot about maybe uh, Emma's regression this year. And I'm not sure how much of it is a regression compared to just the guy opposite you wasn't really a great defender, and now the guy opposite you really is. Yeah, I think you make an excellent case for Marco Farfan. I am going to go with uh, Martin Paz. Um, I think as a defender of the year, I'm counting goalkeeper as a defender. I think that, um, you know, with his goals against of, you know, one of the fourth, I think it's fourth lowest in club history. And this club has a really low goals against as a collective. But I honestly think that Paz maybe propped up this defense a little bit in this regard. I mean, people talk about this being a really good defense, but there were multiple games, maybe even, you know, five or six games where pause had five, six, seven saves in a game, which is way more than you want to see, you know, whether it be a game like those where he was shut out another team with five, six saves, which is a remarkable game or a game where he maybe just stopped one goal here or there on a really amazing defensive shot stop by himself. You know, there, there were too many times I think where he, he kept the overall goals against down when the defense would get exposed. I can think of too many times where there were just phenomenal saves by the guy highlight real saves game after game after game and multiple occasions where he was my man of the match coming out of games. Um, and just, I think too often, underwrote the whole defense. In fact, I will go so far as to say that this defense is not nearly as good collectively as a lot of people think it is. I think it has some serious issues in it, um, particularly at both center backs and the holding mid spot relative to the overall quality that people want to talk about. And I think pause is propping that up. So full credit to him. Um, it does underline for me some of the issues the team, I think, needs to deal with. It's funny, when, when I started talking, thinking about what the team needs to work on going forward, I kept coming up with these defensive things that they need to fix because of the fact that I think that the pause is basically holding this thing together with glue. You know, you can look back to Maurer's good season two years ago when the defense was pretty decent with Maurer being pretty good and then the fall off last year causing all kinds of issues and you brought pause back and then the, the goals jumped down again. And it's just the keeper. This is the same defense now, basically, for two or three years, minus the positive addition of Farfan. Um, and it's been somewhat problematic at times, and, and Paz made it not problematic. And so he's the guy that is a great addition to have both loaned in and then finally purchased at a, a relatively young age for a keeper. So he's my guy. 
Yeah, no, that's, that's a great one. I mean, i got to say he's the first keeper in quite a while where when FC Dallas concedes a penalty, you know, I don't start to write, oh, FC Dallas conceded in the X minute from a <laughs> penalty. Um, you know, even the ones he's... Yeah, even the ones he's not got to quite more often than not he's guessing right he's he's done really uh well with his homework with with drew Keyshawn through the year and uh whoever scouted him deserves a pay rise because that is a pretty obscure team to pluck a young keeper from and to pluck a young keeper who has done this well yeah do you remember the the, the part where they flirted with another keeper in the in the off season and there were all the reports that the guy was on his way, and then that all went straight down the drain as soon as they got pause offered to them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a long time ago. Uh, okay, so moving on to the next um, award we're going to do, and that's going to be uh, the, the the best emergence or surprise player, or I'm even going to throw in with that, let's say, midseason player sort of as a group there, Dan, if you want to pick out a guy that fits any of those sort of monikers. Um. I don't necessarily want to make it about a player. I'd just like to say health. Uh, Paxton came through the season without a surgery, almost entirely unscathed, minus a little hamstring pull at the end. Uh, Paul Ariola has a history of injuries, came through the whole season, had a career year. Matt Hedges came off a broken hip, looked, you know, the not maybe not A1 condition Matt Hedges, but, uh, you know... For, for someone who was playing on a broken hip a year ago looked uh you know remarkably in in good condition yeah that's a good one i think that some of the credit to that should go to the coach and his staff for their um workload management it's something that we we in the media discussed with him from the very beginning in terms of the heat here and uh particularly given what a short roster he ran um, in terms of actual game time, but using the extra sub rules to manage load during games and over the course of the training sessions too, uh, being aggressive about that, I think is a big contributing factor into that. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go with uh, Siki and Sabaling as my surprise player because uh, what a complete and total surprise that is. Um, as a guy who does a lot of, in the past, in, for sure, studying of the draft, my opinion of the value left in the college draft is basically zip. If you're not in the top five or six, even the top five or six these days, you're looking at guys that may take years to develop and never do anything. To get a guy down at the bottom of the first round and to be so confident that you traded up to get him and have him turn into a player that is providing significant value off the bench to your team. Now, he is he will be 25 early in this next season, and he does require a foreign slot, but to get a, the value that they got out of that guy, out of a rookie that late in the first round. I mean, with, with the amount of teams we have now, that's a player that would have been second or third round, you know, a decade ago. Um, that's a phenomenal draft piece of drafting and a phenomenal addition to the franchise um, that is really worth, I think, a lot. Uh, and also, but sub, sub award here, shout out to, Maybe one of the best midseason signings this club's ever made, getting Sebastian Legette midseason. Now, granted, he was playing in MLS, and that probably was a factor to being able to walk in and contribute like he did. Usually, midseason signings are almost worthless for the back half of the season when they're foreign signings. Yeah, and, and only a year removed from us 
talking about oh, FC Dallas doesn't have anyone with MLS experience of another club yeah. and yeah. how that's detrimental to the team. That yeah, you know, you you bring in uh, Paul Ariola, Marco Farfan, kind of figures his stuff out, and then just as you know, Ariola's kind of dipping in form and. Velasco's maybe not fully on the boil and Jesus is looking down a little bit. You bring in Lejet and suddenly he just reignites everything. Yeah, I, I think you can't undersell uh, the value of what he brought into the midfield in terms of being able to shift Paxton around a little bit, being able to get a guy with a little more assist-heavy kind of style into the box. You know, in terms of revitalizing the club in the midseason. I thought it was a, a terrific, terrific signing. Maybe one of the best ever. I'm not going to give him this award for the best surprise player because I think you, you would want to look at a guy like Legette and what you paid for him. He's supposed to be good. Or Siki was just a complete roll that I scrapshoot uh, that no one was expecting anything from. I certainly wasn't late in that, late in the first round. So I'm sticking with Siki for that award. Yeah, I think if you were going to say the surprise with Legette, it's getting him. Yeah, uh, that's that's not a player that you associate FC Dallas with. All right, I want to I want to give one shout out, extra nod here to not a player, but to Jerome Elenez, who's the new VP of marketing, and point out what a massive, massive addition that dude has been to the club. Um, and I I don't I'm not intimate with what he exactly does, but the change in this club. Um, being led by the marketing staff and the different things that they're doing and the way that trickled down through the whole organization. I think you can't not give that guy some credit or the decision to get a guy like that some credit or whatever, or give him a budget. Maybe that's what it is. Whatever it is, that aspect of the organization and that change in the organization deserves at the very least a mention, if not a shout out, if not like a round of applause for the positive effect on the complete and entire organization. Yeah, um, I I did my kind of obituary of this uh, of the season, a eulogy of the season, I should say, um, in the week, and uh, you know he was a big part of that. Uh, talking about, you know, he took an attend an average attendance of well, an announced attendance of thirteen thousand four hundred. You know, tickets distributed quote uh, quote with uh, quotes. Uh, when the when the you know the stadium looked maybe ten thousand people in it at most, uh, the supporter section wasn't always full. Now it's they announced the nineteen thousand and and ninety six fans, and you look around the stadium and you're like, yep, that's that's nearly nineteen thousand people, and uh, even the average just going up to over three thousand on last year and. I'm sure they've got a number in the stadium of how many people actually come in, and I'm sure like that average has gone up, you know, five oh. six thousand. Yeah, I I have always felt like when 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 in the past we we or whoever had these discussions about what are you going to do when the stadium's sold out all the time, and thought, well, that's a really silly discussion to be having. But now we're actually at a point where I think it's a valuable discussion to have. I'm not think, saying that next season you're looking at a whole season's worth of sellouts, but you can at least start to have the conversation. You can at least see the possibility of that being an issue. I fully expect to have an attendance, you know, approaching sellout on average next season. Maybe I'm maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but with the impact this team has had in the in the market with the new 
attack they're making in marketing and with the quality of the product on the field, um, I think it's legitimately possible to start to approach the time when you're going to need to have that conversation. Uh, and hopefully the hunts are recognizing that and have some sort of plan. Uh, you know, we know they have a plan to do something on, in part of the stadium, which probably will shrink the amount available in the short term. But hopefully in the long term, it's going to add some capacity because I think there's a legit chance they might need it. And if they continue this and it's not just about the play on the field, if there's a difference in the spend, there's a difference in the plan of attack, there's a difference in the marketing. And I think it has to be thought of soon, if not already. Yeah, hundred percent. And even um, I, I was talking to Dan Hunt in the locker room in Austin, and uh, you know I mentioned Jerome and his impact, and Dan said that the demand for sweets is greater than they've ever had before. And I don't know if uh, I don't know if you remember, but a few years ago they reconfigured a lot of the sweets. They kind of knocked the wall through on one to make like one super sweet. Mm. And now suddenly they're they're in a shortage of sweets. Uh, wow. So, you know, just just that alone means, you know, that that's the point where you want to start thinking: Do we add on to the stadium, or, or you know, anything along those lines? So uh, it all seems to be coming at a good time. Really attractive play on the field, successful play on the field, bigger name players, uh, great advertising. I mean, you know. To, to have uh, Paul Ariola and Paxson Pomacal and Jesus Ferreira's faces light up, Victory Plaza and, and uh, by the West End um, dart station. You know, we've, we've gone for years of seeing a, 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 a tiny advert on the back of a bus advertising a game that was two months ago to seeing signs on the tollway on every highway that are relevant right now that are recognizable importantly that the message is clear because that's always been a big issue of with fc dallas is it is not understanding how to market itself you know it actually feels like a big time organization yeah it really does hopefully we'll see some local ad buy in the world cup coverage that would be a nice uh thing to see um, all right, so let's move on to the second half of the podcast, uh, which is a discussion of roster options. I, I wrote a thing, what, two weeks ago now, making predictions, expecting that to have happened really quickly after the season ended, and it is not. So it gives us an opportunity, Dan, to discuss um, the guys that are on options. Um, but before we do that, I actually have a greater point I would like to make about the 2023 roster. It actually is in two phases, but um, I want to make this point and I want to hear what you think about it and um, and see if you agree with my take. So over the course of the season, we've talked quite a bit uh, on this podcast about, and, and in print, our own print, um, the idea that Nico Estevez had run a shallower bench than we have ever seen, a shorter rotation. He wasn't going deep into the squad. There, there was only about five or six guys that actually played beyond the normal starting 11. And that's pretty clear if you look at the minutes. There's a very limited number of players that have over like 200 minutes, say, for example, off the bench. And then there's a clear group that is not. And towards the end of the season, I had several conversations with Coach about that concept, um, you know, about the, how short his bench was and how few players that he was using and the first thing he said about it was that because he felt it was that way partially because the team was so healthy, as we discussed earlier in the podcast. But 
uh, in a greater sense, he also said that he would like to shorten the roster even further, that the MLS model of 30 players is way too many. Uh, and he pointed to the Spanish system, which, as you know, Dan, is 25 players on the senior team, on the primary team, not the 30 that Major League Soccer has. As And so he pointed to that as a perfect example of how big he thinks a team should be. And if you look at um, the system that I've used the last couple of years in terms of trying to organize a roster and, and figure out what kind of players they might need in certain spots, if you have two players in every spot, that's 22 players, and it leaves you three extra players. And those three extra players are the third goalkeeper, in my mind, a fifth center back, and then one extra attacker, which I usually in my breakdowns have put down as a nine type player because some of your attacking mids can play wings if you need to. So that's 25 players. And in this discussion of what do you do with the rest of these players? Because your senior roster in MLS is 18 to 20 guys. And you have these 10 off budget players to get to 30. And what are you going to do with them? And he again talked about this idea of the way they do it all over Europe, which is these clubs have multiple players out on loan playing different places. So they're not just sitting here doing nothing. So he pointed to Nicky Hernandez in San Antonio as a perfect example. So the, the, the basically concept he's talking about is the idea that rather than have 30 players sitting around here in Dallas with five, six of them sitting around watching the other guys train and play, that he would want to send these three, four, five, six, however many extra players you deem there to be based on injuries out to other teams like Hernandez to San Antonio. So your Khalil, El Medicur, if he's around, your Lucas Barlow was down in North Texas, same sort of thing. Redzich sitting around doing nothing. Thomas Roberts sitting around doing nothing. These are the guys you want to get out, move out, get them playing, and shorten this roster down. Not, not on paper shorten it down, but in reality shorten it down to just 25 guys as your main group you're going to be competing with, barring injuries. So that's Point number one, Dan, if you want to, I'd love to hear what you think about that. So I, I was going to write something, um, or maybe I did write, I don't remember. <clears throat> Earlier in the season, talking about um, how Nico likes to use a, a shorter roster. Uh, so I was trying to do, uh, yeah, so I was looking at some numbers around the league, and it, it seems it's the trend now is to, is to run a much shorter roster to have a lot of guys who have had one, two, three hundred minutes across the season and, and really kind of drive uh, drive drive the Courier roster further. And I don't know how much of that is to do with the uh, the five subs rule. It just kind of mm-hmm. being more able to, to get guys to take a bit of a better break. Um, I would say, you know, definitely not opposed to a smaller roster exactly uh i think that the 25 signing the rule is a bit in spain it's a little bit unnecessary i kind of like the idea of what happens in the champions league and in the premier league of uh you know allowing your your homegrown players under 21 to to represent to not have to be registered so that you can kind of have a core of players but you know, if you get a a Bernard Camungo or someone, um, you know, let's use Pepe as an example, when he came into the side that 
you don't have to necessarily jettison a signing to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's been quite a, a a more common theme than it kind of looks. I think uh, looking around the league, it was like Nashville was maybe the the big exception to the rule. Philadelphia similarly has a pretty uh, a relatively short team. A lot of players who who are small parts of the the, the bigger puzzle, but then a, a core of players that are really carrying the bulk of the load. Yeah, I, I think how it will. I agree with you in that, and I definitely think five subs is a factor. Um, the ability to rotate your squad in effect and keep guys a little healthier, you know, and shorten your bench is going to be a trend. And I think you're going to see, you know, players that are outside the 18 consistently, you know, these guys that ordinarily are sitting in the stands at the end of the stadium all the time in that, in that upper deck. Um, those are guys that I think the organization is going to want to get out playing, you know, they, they want to, cause you know, coach to me, um, talked about how great he w- he thought it was that Nicky had gone to San Antonio and gotten all that playing time he got in San Antonio. And I, I think they're going to, I think they will try and continue that philosophy more so next year. Now, will they have 30 players? I think they'll still have 30 players on the roster because this organization still believes in buying low and selling high. And they're still going to want to have guys come out of the academy and be signed. I just think that the, between the combination of North Texas and other relationships, you'll see a continuing a carrying forward of this, obviously Che and Sealy, yes, but a, a Hernandez, a Khalil, an Eddie Munjoma, a a homegrown, uh, whatever you like. Whether they now North Texas for a lot of those guys isn't going to be viable, you know. So you're going to have to look at it is for like a homegrown who's 18 years old or 15 years old or 21 years old or whatever right out of college. But for a guy like Khalil or Eddie has been kicking around for a couple of years and is not playing at all. You got to get those guys some help. You got to get them some minutes and get them some opportunity or else they just stagnate into nothing. And that does nobody any good at all. And I think you'll see that progressing more with the organization. All right. Part two of this roster overall wrestling discussion, which I wanted to have going into talking about your guy is the overall philosophical change that we saw at the beginning of the last season. We started talking about it and I think it's been continued even more because the move for legit, reinforces it. And that's these moves for the most part, this focus on players closer to or in the prime of their career, the willingness to go out and spend Sebastian Legette and get him the ability to go out and get Peril Areola and get him. You go out and get Marco Farfan, who's a little bit younger, but still isn't 20. He's 23, 24. And he'd been a member of some U23 US national teams. It's almost like They've decided to move on from play the kids. I don't think they almost have. I really think they have. And instead focus on players that are in the prime of their career. That's, you know, 25 to 29, give or take. But not just that. There's a domestic aspect to it, too, that's new around here. And it's almost like the idea is guys that are right on the fringe or in the national team pool that get caps but aren't good enough to go to Europe. That makes for a player that's really, really quality and can play at the highest levels of major league soccer. And, you know, is going to want to play here in MLS because they're not quite available to go overseas. This might be some, like the quality of kind of guys around the league might be like a, a Shaq Moore, a Zimmerman, a Jordan Morris, a Christian rolled down these kinds of journeyman MLS guys, you know, the, the, the Aaron longs, the, the, and the best examples are Ariel and Legette this focus on guys 
in the second half of their 20s rather than play the kids, which is from what we've had for the past decade, this play the kids movement here probably hasn't been a decade, has it? There was about a five or six year run of play the kids that now seems to have completely gone away. I don't see a kid anywhere near being able to contribute to this team right now. Yeah, it's kind of hard to, to make that step up. I think um, you made a point a few times that, you know, the play your kids here is kind of taking a break. Um, I think even, was it last week maybe, or maybe it was in Discord. Uh, yeah, just talk about the idea of the homegrown 11 and all that, which is great. If you get all 11 on the field at the same time, but the way FC Dallas is coming through is Jesus is looking solid this year. You know, even you could you could write a great best eleven ever of, of FC Dallas homegrowns, and I'm pretty sure we we have what you've wrote one before. But but getting them on the field at the same time in the same jersey is just you know not a reality there. Anymore. Yeah, when they're peaking and when the roster can afford it and, and all the other aspects, and, and we're in the middle we're in the middle of this. A little bit of a, we're almost to the end of a little bit of an academy gap that we've been talking about, the post peppy gap, if you will. Um, that's almost over. But, you know, it's, I just don't think you can look to this organization being the same as it was. You know, this no. new era thing that they're using as a marketing slogan, I honestly think that this organization has fundamentally shifted its stance almost across the board and how they're going to do business, which is weird because. You would have thought that like the peppy 20 million would have made them double down on where's the next kid I can sell for 20 million. But instead, they like they use that money as a springboard to completely alter their take on the way they're going to run things. And they and they they changed the coach that went after these guys that are in the prime of their careers and they're willing to spend a little bit of money now, both foreignly and domestically. You know, their 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 midseason acquisition is a guy in the league ready to go, not a guy that we're thinking about for next year. You know, they're, they're, they're investing money in different parts of the club, on field, off field. It's just like it really was a, an odd tack change. But yet we certainly like the results, I think. Do we not? So far, so good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is this is the common theme, right? As we're talking about the progression, the, the club, the organization as a whole has made that maybe it's finally making its way out of MLS 1.0. Yeah. Yeah. Getting up in MLS 2.0, which is about 15 years ago. All right, so we're going to keep the that the roster discussion in mind as we move into the um, roster moves that the club has yet to announce. There's about 12 players or so that have options, and we're going to run through them, and the, we're going to start with the ones at the top. Uh, and we'll go first because this is the big one, is Matt Hedges, Dan. So I want to hear your, your take on uh, the report that the club is talking to Matt Hedges and whether you think what, what you think they should do with uh, their, their central defender. Uh, it, it's always hard when it comes down to option years for stuff like this. Uh, this is how Maxi Aruti arrived from Portland, not wanting to honor an option that would shoot him over a million dollars. You know, in that sense, uh, easy come, easy go is is definitely going to be a thing. Um, I guess it really comes down to what. FC Dallas is what number they're willing to put out for Hedges, uh, whether that's a kind of a goat discount, a one club dis, you know, or if he's willing to take like a, a discount, sorry. Um, you know, uh, you, you kind of can't blame a guy for wanting to, uh, or if, if, 
I should say. He wants to uh, kind of force the point and and get up to his his million plus because you know he's earned it. He's played on a on a pretty low salary for for quite a while while playing as one of the best defenders in the league. Um, yeah, I mean, I hope he stays. I hope he stays healthy. I hope he has a, a good year. Um, but, you know, the responses to those reports were fans of a lot of different teams around the league uh, kind of rubbing their hands together and, and hoping that, that they can land uh, someone who's still got a couple of years left. Yeah, it'll be an interesting question. You know, there are options for 23 and 24. They probably go up, you know, 100 grand, you know, each million, million one, probably. That's a pretty good guess based on the way contracts work in MLS and based on Matt's contract to this point. You know, I I really do like the idea of trying to get him to come down some. Um, Now, he is above the DP thresholds, which means that the only value in bringing him down is actually the amount of TAM money that you save. Um, in terms of your cap. Now, it is your out-of-pocket money, of course. It's the Hunt's money. We don't want to spend their money for them, as we always do. But um, it's the value in TAM that you can save if you can get him to agree to something closer to the actual DP number. um, That'll benefit the club. And if you ask yourself, people listening would wonder why Hedges would do that, the answer would be you'd have to be stick to your guns as an organization that, A, we're just going to let you go, or we'll give you two years for one. Like if you, instead of taking one year at a million, how about we give you two years at 600 each? And so Matt would walk away with 1.2 instead of one. Uh, Now, in order to get him to do that, you you have to make it pretty clear that if we take you this year at a million, you're definitely not getting the million two the next year, you know, or whatever it's going to be. So it's a tough negotiation. Um, some things that'll factor in is his own personal desires to play his whole career at one club. I have no idea how he feels about that. How old his kids are? Are they in school? Things like that. Does he want to coach? Does he have some things laid out here? Possibly. It's really hard to know how much inertia a guy's life has. I would go ahead and pick him up at a million for next season. Even if I still want to go out and get a center back signing, I would go ahead and pick him up because I think that the market for center backs uh, as Doyle pointed out, even if at 33, I think there's a market for him. I think that he would get snapped up Austin. maybe by Lucci in San Jose, maybe by somebody like a New York or a, that might lose long or or the other New York that might lose their center back. You know, you never know. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you look at Austin FC, there were probably a couple of decent defenders away from kind of having the, the team. Yeah. Uh, it makes such a big difference. Uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be great to to see Hedges finish out his career here to kind of, you know, maybe move into coaching uh, he's been kind of dabbling in. Uh, it's just going to be, you know, it, it's, it's part of a, a, a series of moves for FC Dallas. They just renegotiated Legette presumably to uh, to backload his contract in the same way so that they have money free for for 2023. Yeah, th- there's a lot of contracts that are going to come up in, the, in 2023. Um, and I, I think that you, you want... Uh, Matt Hedges, even if he's not your full-time go-to starter, is such a valuable piece. You know, you, you want to be able to rotate guys in and out. You know, you want to be able to have guys like him in your organization... 
you know, I, I think it's worth keeping him no matter what. I totally buy the idea of trying to get him to come down for some security trade-off. Um, I think it's a good play if they can get him to do it. But if not, I'll take him on a million. Okay, um, moving on. The next two we can kind of lump together because we don't, we're not really sure of their contract status. These are the only two players I cannot find any contract info on. And that's Marco Farfan and Edwin Cerillo. Now, Edwin, if when he was a homegrown out of the academy, if he signed the normal three plus two contract, then this year coming up 2023 would be the the, the second of those options. Um, and then Marco, it's impossible to know what LA did when they traded for him. I really could, his contract could literally be anything, but let's just say for the sake of discussion, if those guys have options, do you exercise them? And I think both of them are a no brainer. I would go one further and I would say, if you have options on both of those guys, I would look to extend both of those guys and give them a new deal, probably with some kind of raise because Marco is only on 225 and Evans only on 130, which is both of those guys. That's below normal starter. Ema's on like 300, Hadir's on 380. You know, that's more in line with the numbers those guys should be getting paid, even at outside back. So um, both Edwin and, and Marco for me should not only have their option be picked up, but should have their contracts extended like you did with Legette, like you did with Brandon Sylvania last year, who by the way is now on 400, like you did with Paxson a couple of years ago. Those guys need to be in that same conversation. Yeah, and uh, Marco Farfan does apparently have an option. Okay, good. Um, the... The Players Association, uh, the Players Union released a uh, list of eligible free agents, and he's down as uh, the three for FC Dallas that are eligible for free mm. agency. Uh, Marco Farfan listed as an option, Matt Hedges listed as an option, and Emma Tumasi out of contract. Uh, I don't think that's correct anymore on Ema. I think they re-signed him. Let's see. What do I have now for Ema? Uh, yeah, new contract through 2024 with options for 25 and 26. So they obviously fixed Ema in that scenario. But good to know on Marco um, that they have an option for him because you definitely don't want him to get away. You don't want him to get into free agency um, for sure. So, you know, not a player that I'd be worried about trying to make a price reduction on. I definitely would be willing to give him a little of that Hedges money. <laughs> Just joking. But um, two guys I think you definitely want to keep locked up now you may one out there in the audience may not feel that evan surreal is better than Faku, but it's at least close and they're at least somewhat in my mind the same sort of thing Evan's 22 Faku's 29 you know um, Faku's at 800k Evan's like at 200k the value and the talent and Evan will keep getting better for years and years and years he's a guy that should be good in this league for literally another decade because of the, the way he plays so i think it's a no-brainer you want to lock both those guys up to a three four five-year contracts if you can yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, the only thing is if you think that Sarrio is close to the end of his development and that, you know, that, that may, if there's any doubt that he is kind of a mm. career starter in this team, um, that maybe you, you would lean towards a shorter contract or kind of backload it with option years or... Uh, player incentive options. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. I don't have any qualms in that area, but you know, perhaps the team might. Uh, that's a yeah. Fair just team. judging by how often Faku played, you gotta think that maybe Nico does. Yeah, fair. 
Okay. Um, next person on the list that I'm just going to go in the order I have written down here is Lucas Bartlett, who is the sixth overall draft pick by Dallas this year. What do you think on uh, picking up or declining his option? Uh, I, I think, he, well, he's, so he's already posted on social media about uh, leaving. So I think yeah. we can probably think, put that one. I think we're going to safely but, assume that he is leaving, but I agree that it's a no brainer. Uh, that there was not enough development. All right, next on the list is Nanu, who's not technically a question of contract, but rather loan is ending, and would you buy him with a buy price currently unknown? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, that's hard to say. I don't, I don't think he did enough to uh, to warrant buying, uh, especially for a guy who was on a $600,000 base salary. Uh, you got to think he's not going to want to take a... Uh, a pay cut, a massive pay cut as a 28 year old. Yeah. Ima's on half the number and was able to hold down the starting job. So that one to me also is a no brainer. All right. Next on my list is Khalil El Medkar, who is a technically a homegrown player. What would you do with him? Um, we really didn't see any progression out of him this year, which is a shame because I thought he, he looked pretty decent last year in spells. Um, I would like to see, let's see, it's 23. So you've probably got, I'm going to go off Lucci's numbers. He always said 24 was that age where players really stopped developing mentally. And then if they've got it, they've got it. If they haven't, they haven't. I mean, I'd I'd give him the extra year just, uh, you know, as an off roster um uh, as, as an off roster guy. Yeah. I think I would go ahead and let him go, you know, uh, Bernard Camungo has come in, and for, in my mind, based on what I see on the field and in training, I think he's ahead of um, Khalil already. Khalil had, during the season, had volunteered to go play as an eight in order to try and find some playing time. Um, that has not come to fruition, and, and they've since added Legit. This is a guy that should have gone out on loan uh, this season and found himself a spot to play. He would have been much better served getting 20 games in USL Championship than sitting here and training and watching everybody else play. That's a classic example for me of a guy that, that that I assume, I don't know for sure, probably had this, oh, I want to be here and be in front of the coach kind of philosophy. Man, this day and age, coaches have tape. You know, we have the internet. They're going to scout every game you play. You know, you're better off playing. Playing is everything, particularly when you're low 20s and you're, you're approaching the end of your developmental cycle. So I'm going to go ahead and say, um, let's clear some roster space and move them out. For me on that one. Okay, after Khalil, uh, which we disagreed on, was Nicky Hernandez coming back from San Antonio FC. Dan, what do you think? Ah, uh, Nicky, Nicky, Nicky. Um, it's, it's hard because he's had he's had a really successful season at USL Championship level. Yep. Uh, Dallas has got a few options at the eight now. Oh, oh in the central midfield areas. Yeah, uh, I ju- I just don't say a way he breaks through or, or or is able to to find progression without going online for several years. Yeah, to underscore the work he did in San Antonio, he played in twenty three games with ten starts, uh, but in that that only ten starts he had two goals, which is seventh on the team. He had five assists, which is third on the team, and he had twenty eight key passes. So there's an offensive component to his game that is there that's interesting. He does have a good, tenacious size and physicality to his game, that warrior mentality that the coach kind of likes. It'll be interesting to see if they choose to reward 
the guy that took the loan that went out and said, I'm going to do some work and put some tape down and see how it goes. I, I think there's a good chance they might pick him up. I, I think I would reward that effort, pick up that option. Worst case scenario, if you have to then get to the spring and you need the spot, you can loan him out again, or you can cut him and it's not going to cost you that much. He's only on 60 K. So not that big a hit, you know, probably not even a guarantee. Let's see. Does it, what kind of, it's just an option, right? Let's see. So it's not going to cost you anything long-term in terms of picking it up. So I think I would pick him up and bring him back and, and, and see how it goes. Cause right now, as we get further down this list, you're going to see that really there is no other attacking free eight other than playing packs and slightly out of position behind legit. Um, so that's worth considering. Okay. Um, next on the list is Eddie Munjoma, a homegrown player who is now, where's Eddie? He's, Eddie is going to be 25 in July of next year. So he's currently 24 and I'll go first this time. And I think that the, despite the fact that he has some roster versatility and that he can play both sides or even in a heart in a pinch, he can play him in a wing. I think that they're running out of time. I think Camungo eliminates some of that wing spot and um, the pro progress of uh, Isaiah Parker, who's a generation Adidas player. I think it's time to let Eddie go his own way. And I would decline Eddie Munjama. Uh Yeah. Uh, with Eddie uh, again, kind of haven't seen the progression this year. Um, Hasn't really had a chance to do much of anything. Uh, I think I think I'd let that one go. Um, even the the three games he did play in didn't really put much of a stamp down past, you know, what what Nani did. Not saying that they should be on the same level, but if you're your two guys that are fighting for a for a contract and a place in a team somewhere next year, and just didn't really see a whole lot of it. Um, I think, yeah, you kind of, you, you go to the next, you, you go to the next fullback and, uh, fullback is definitely one of those areas that FC Dallas does do pretty well in, in producing a few. Yeah. More than a few. All right. Next on the list, uh, almost somewhat interestingly is seeking a settling because he has a contract like Bartlett did. And like actually Nikosi, when he got drafted, which was a, is a series of one-year options, you know, they have options on Seeky through 2025 <laughs> so they can continue to pick him up over year after year after year if they want. Um, so for me, no brainer. You pick this kid up. Absolutely. I, have you seen enough that you want to look at giving him a long-term deal? Uh, well, you got three options on the kid. I don't think there's no rush to do that. If you get to the last option, you know, or if you get to where he's become so valuable that you really want to get it done, that can be done a year or two down the line easily. So pick him up, bring him back. He's been a great addition to the midfield. Um, a surprise addition to the midfield as we covered in the first half of the podcast. Uh, what an addition this guy was. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, you called him the surprise player for good reason. I think, you know, his, his early uh, games, he saw a little bit of a struggle, a little bit of adaptation. Uh, I just don't think there's anyone else on the team that kind of has his, tenacity his his physical drive with the ball uh he's just really proved himself to be uh, a well-used option late in games when you need an injection of pace or just just some kind of uh chaos really in midfield um as he kind of chases about really really nice kid seems to have really endeared himself for the locker room um 
a little on the older side for for being uh, someone coming off a rookie season, but we're also talking about someone that uh, you know came through one of Africa's two big academies, receiving you know actual mm-hmm. real coaching and and uh, yeah, I, I think it's. I mean, honestly, for me, I, I think you do pick up his option and then talk about, uh, you know, maybe converting those three uh, option years into uh, into like a, a two and three or a three and two because he's got something and even if that's becomes trade bait down the line, um, yeah. you know, he's definitely got value in this league. I think I would go to him and say, I'm picking up your option for sure. Get the green card, kid, and then we'll do long-term deal because he is an international, does not have a green card yet that we know of. Hopefully, he's been working on it. If I was his agent, I would have done that day one. Uh, he will be 25 in February, just for comparison. Brandon Savania will be 24 in about March, so a year older than Brandon, which actually caught me off guard and surprised me. I think of him as being younger than some of these kids, and he's not. He's slightly older. but He's he's very small and, and very... Yeah. Uh, has a baby face too, so yeah. Yeah, it affects his personality too, which makes him seem a little younger than he is. But uh, a player that's an asset for the organization, definitely get that green card for sure, kid. For sure, get that. That'll that'll increase your value tremendously, both in the league and for this organization. All right, next on my list is uh, Joshua Quinones, who's on a loan with an unknown buy price. Dan, where do you sit on Joshua? Josue. Josue, I'm sorry. I'm Mr. Gringo. I got that. Quinones, I got right. Jose, yeah. Josue. Uh, I like to call him Josh. <laughs> I, yeah, I saw that. You, you you had me read through something, and I kind of did a double take. It's like, did you just call him Josh, or did that? Uh, you know, I've, uh, I've liked what he brings. Uh, it's nice to have somebody that has the versatility to be actually able to play both centre-back and full-back. I think that is a pretty rare commodity to someone that's that's comfortable in in both roles uh nikosi uh you know can do it uh and 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 Josue can too uh i've liked what i've seen from him we haven't seen a whole lot but i would be quite happy if they uh picked him up assuming that it's not some exorbitant fee uh you gotta think i'm trying to think where he even came from uh, Barcelona SC, the South okay. American Barcelona. Yeah, so I mean, surely it can't be that much. Twenty-one-year-old uh, player. Uh, I mean, he's a he's a capped national team member for Ecuador now. Yeah, uh, you know, I think there's there's a lot of value to to tying a player down like that for a few years. Yeah, if you, if you're talking about roster usability and versatility, you know if he's if he's what he was this year, was well, just sort of your fourth fifth center back, plays can play either one. Has actually played left back more likely in, for this organization. You'll see him pencil in at right back some, like you saw late in the season. He is a U22 initiative player, which usually is somebody that you want to try and invest in. And if you remember, the buy uh, had a clause in it that, according to the Barcelona, that would trigger on number of. Playing time or you know, starts or something like that. So there obviously was a willingness in the organization from an SC Dallas perspective. So I think pending it being a crazy deal, which I can't imagine when you're making them a U22 initiative because the idea is to develop a U22 initiative. That's the whole point. Um, so I assume that that's a guy that 
unless we had seen play that was like, oh, forget it, never mind. And we certainly did not see that. We saw a little bit of potential. He is only 21. He'll be 22 in May, which is fine. You can still be the U22 initiative. So um, a player I think that they will want to keep for sure. Now, if Justin Shea were to come back, perhaps that could impact that 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 conversation. But I think there's room for both um, um, Josue and Justin Shea. Um, if Justin doesn't come back, I still think that they need to go out and get a center back um, for this organization. So, But I think it's very, very, very unlikely that Justin's coming back. Even if his current team doesn't work out, I think that agents don't like to go backwards or what they see is backwards, and they, they will do everything they can to try and find him a landing space in Europe, just like you saw with Brian Reynolds, just like you saw with Pepe. You know, they, they don't want those guys to end up regressing in their mind, if you will. So um, that's a wh- how I see that falling out. Okay, next guy on the list, uh, Benny Rezich. Now for me, I don't think I've seen enough to double down on Benny, um, but I know Coach likes him quite a bit. But let's go back, remember, to the idea of this loan thing or this idea that we're investing in 28-year-olds in the prime of their career. It, they're, they're, they've just signed Camungo, who's the new hot thing coming up from North Texas Soccer Club. They've got, we think, Jose Mulatto coming up from North Texas Soccer Club based on the reports that he's been bought. You know, how does Regis fit in that conversation? If they pick him up, is it just to loan him out? Possibly. So for me, that's where I think there's a chance that you just outright let him go. If he wants to work with you and you can pick him up and loan him, that's great. Let's talk about that. Maybe we can do that. But when it comes down to the, at the beginning of the season, if we haven't worked something out and you're going to have to make this decision within a week and a half from now, um, I think you go ahead and let him go. Yeah. Um, there was one game where he kind of, where he came in and he looked really good. Um, more often than not, I think when you saw him come on, it was picking up garbage time minutes, not really having any, the game was kind of passing him by a bit. Um, I just, I didn't see a lot that, that said, um, I mean, unfortunately he's, he's kind of the same player he was when he was 14, when everyone was really hyped about him, but he's not 14 anymore. Yeah. He has these great moments, um, in, in games prior to coming to FC Dallas and in training where in, in a role in the mom kind of way, he can drift in and out of games and, and almost be non-existent and then yet pop up and score, two or three spectacular goals and win a game for you, whether it be a training game or a North Texas game. And it's those moments to get you really excited. But then, then you look at the things like the team concepts and how does he fit into the organization and the rotation. It just doesn't seem to be there uh, for me in terms of fit uh, beyond the idea of maybe trying to make a dollar off the kid and helping him get to Europe or something. If that's where he wants to be at a lower level or, or to the championship, perhaps on a loan, I, I, I just don't really see it working at this point. Um, he is only 20 years old and he just turned 20. He won't be 21 until next September. So still plenty of time, but I'm just not seeing a lot of progression myself. Now does the club feel differently? That'll be an interesting question. They did. The contract they gave him is loaded with options. It wasn't a long-term deal with short options. It was lots of options. So they obviously felt there was some risk there in that, in that player. Okay, last one, Dan, and this makes me sad. Thomas Roberts. Uh, free Thomas. Yeah, free Thomas. Uh, I mean, we've been saying that for, what, three years now? Yeah, it's it's clear that the 
while there are coaches in this organization that rave about the kid, there are definitely the first team coach definitely has never picked him. It's just not getting the opportunity. It's time to let the young man go. He is 21 years old. He'll be 22 in May. They do have an option for 2023, but I just, I can't imagine them picking him up as an option. I mean, he hasn't played an MLS minute in over three years. It's just as sad as it makes me, it's just not happening here in Dallas for him. He needs a new start. Yeah. Uh, yeah, badly. Um, going out on loans, done nothing for him. Let him start somewhere fresh. Let, you know, let's, let's regret it later down the line. Um, but just uh, let him go out and, and play some football and enjoy the game again. All right. That's everybody that's uh, on an option. If we didn't mention a player, it means they're under contract for next season already. Just to remind people, Justin Shea is under contract through 2025. So quite a while with a option for 26. Dallas almost always makes a player extend their loan, their deal before they'll loan them out. So Justin is through 25 with an option for 26. Dante Seeley, who's at PSV, has a contract through 2024. So two more seasons with options for both 25 and 26. Um, Justin is 18 right now. He'll, he'll turn 19 this month of November. And Dante is 19. He'll turn 20 next April. So both very young players. Both of those deals are ones that the organization, I would assume, hopes will eventually be buys. The whole point of sending a player to clubs like that is that they will progress their career beyond and you'll make a lot of money for it. Or, worst case scenario, they'll get some high-level games and some high-level training if they come back to you. I can't imagine either one of those players will be back here uh, at any point. All right, that um, ends the roster discussion. I think, Dan, you've probably noticed I've mentioned that there are two homegrowns that I've been aware of are in discussions to this club that I hear in discussions to this club. One of them I think is basically done or almost done, and we'll, you might hear something any day. The other one I have no idea. I think it's much further away, but um, those are those are happening. The, the the club is still continuing with that signing of homegrowns with uh, you know to to be a chunk of their roster. Still an important part of the club, but um, not something we can talk about in depth. Um, Bernard Camungo was brought up to the first team already. We expect Jose Mulato, who's the number nine type striker for North Texas Soccer Club, to be the other player. As we mentioned last week, that um, Zanata started to say, well, there's one more player coming up from North Texas and then stopped himself and said, or one or two. <laughs> so that was funny. So that puts us sort of wraps up where we are in terms of the roster going into 2023. Yes. Yes, it does. A lot of, uh, a lot of uh, positivity going forward, which is something we haven't been able to say too much in the past few years. <laughs> well, we will, we will get into what we think they should do going forward. Once we get through the expansion draft and the um, roster uh, contract options, which are both of the next things that will happen. And we have lots of time to talk about the moves they're going to be making this winter. And that pretty much covers everything we wanted to talk about today. Dan, you got anything else on your list of uh, stuff to talk about today? Nah, nah, I haven't. Uh, it's been, uh, it's been an interesting one. We've still got what, uh, 11 days until FC Dallas really has to, uh announce those those moves so yeah we'll be uh we'll be sitting on our hands waiting for that <laughs> news to drop i actually thought it would be like a week ago well not a week ago maybe yeah, I mean, like normally it is normally it's you get out the playoffs and two days later it's there 
Yeah. Uh, MLS Cup winner normally gets a day because uh, they they were having to tell, you know, yeah. players. Uh, you know, you you're flying back telling players, hey, thanks, uh, enjoy your winners' medal. It's the last thing you're going to get from us. Uh, but this year, I guess with the World Cup and everything else, they've made it uh, November fourteenth. Weirdly, after the expansion draft, which is a new yeah. one. Yeah, you have to protect or not protect guys without having said whether you're picking up their options or not. You are correct that in the past, um, at the end of the season, like the regular season, if you were eliminated, you had two days to put out your thing. And then every team that got eliminated through the playoffs, you would have two days to put out your pickups and declines up to the MLS Cup. And then the expansion draft would happen right after MLS Cup. And in this case, the expansion draft's like a week later. And the contract deadlines is even after the expansion draft. So like the FC Dallas has till the 14th to, to negotiate with Hedges to try and get this deal done or not, or pick him up or not. And they'll have to go through the expansion draft, either protecting him or not protecting him, you know, based on what you hope you're getting done or not getting done, uh, which is crazy. So <laughs> Dallas doesn't have a tough expansion draft because they have so many homegrowns, but nonetheless, it uh, it does make for, it'll be more interesting for other teams. Yeah. Um, is it five players that get picked this year? Five, uh, and if you lose one, you're clear after that. You don't have to face any more. Um, it's been five for a couple drafts now. Um, there's, a, there's the teams that had a player picked last time aren't in it, so there's like five teams that aren't in this one, uh, but Dallas will be in it. And um, before we do the expansion draft rolls around, which is next Friday, so probably like on Wednesday or something, we'll put out our third degree uh, predictions for the expansion draft. Um, either with or without those contracted players if the club has yet to uh, release the option pickups or not. Since uh, teams do get rewarded with a little bit of allocation, might it be interesting to see if uh, FC Dallas is willing to uh, dangle something pretty in the window. Yeah, bait, bait them to get a little money. Yeah, that would yeah. be interesting. The FIFA World Cup is less than three weeks away, and are you ready? Do you have your jerseys? Do you have your t-shirts? Do you have your scarves? Do you have your other assorted merchandise? No? Yes? Maybe? Not enough? There's never enough. Go to Soccer90.com and you can solve that problem. Soccer90's World Cup collection now boasts more than 15 nations, meaning that you'll look like the best kit nerd or the worst type of bandwagon fan. Either way, you'll be prepared for every match up until the final. Listeners to the Third Degree Podcast receive 20% off all purchases at Soccer90.com by using code ThirdDegree at checkout. Some exclusions may apply. All right, that pretty much wraps it up today. Uh, hopefully Peter will feel better and be back with us next week. Uh, Dan, thanks for stepping up and helping me carry the extra heavy load. Appreciate you. Oh, thanks. And uh, Yeah, we've got uh, MLS Cup Final to look forward to this weekend. Yeah, that's true. And shockingly, the two best teams in the league actually made it through. Yeah, that's fun. Well, who's your pick? Uh, I think you've got to go with LAFC. Yeah, I'm sticking with Philly on the road. That was my pick going into the playoffs. I'm going to stick with them. I think that they have the gas dag is on fire. Yeah, I mean, they're both they both teams really seem to just be hitting form at the right time. And just, For sure. Uh, you know, I want to I want to see Kellen get MLS Cup. Uh, That'd be nice. And Holly's there, too. Yeah. Yeah, either uh, Tim winning would be fine for me, and I would like for those guys to get it, too. That's true. 
Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't want like, uh, I don't want Philly to be too uppity. So, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, let's let's give them some disappointment. All right, fair enough. All right, well, thank you, FC Dallas Curious Fan, for joining us on Third Degree the podcast. Hopefully, we'll jo- you'll join us again next week when we have the next episode. Free Tommy Poo. Okay.